0: Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. We hope and pray the following message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Luke chapter 15, verse number 1. Then drew near unto Jesus all the publicans, And sinners for to hear him. I think it's interesting that the publicans, which were the outcast, the underdog, the other side of the track, the unpopular, the unwanted, the publicans, yeah, they drew near to him because apparently he made them feel welcome. Because it says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans. Not just the publicans, but a bunch of sinners too. Why did they they come near to him? They came near to him to hear him. They knew he had something to say that would be relevant for them in the condition they were in. That's the beauty of Jesus Christ. The Lord is not here today just looking for the righteous. He's looking for the unrighteous. He's not here just for the holy, but for the unholy. He's not just here for the saved, and I'm glad he is, but he's also here for the lost. Verse 2, and the Pharisees, oh yeah, they'll always have something to say about Jesus. The Pharisees and the scribes, Murmured, kind of under their breath, murmured, saying, not to him, but to each other, This man receives sinners and eats with them, and that ate at them. So the question today would simply be this. What does it mean to be lost? And I speak to you from this thought lost and found. From the Webster's New World Dictionary, the word lost means destroyed or ruined, lost, physically or morally. LOST MEANS NOT TO BE FOUND, A MISSING PERSON, NO LONGER HELD, NO LONGER IN POSSESSION OF, NO LONGER SEEN, HEARD, OR KNOWN AS IF A PERSON IS LOST IN THE CROWD, HAVING wandered FROM THE WAY, Webster goes on to say the word lost means uncertain as to one's location lost bewildered are ill at ease i'm just lost not spent properly lost it not spent usefully it's gone and finally Webster says lost means Wasted. It's just been wasted. And then from the Bible, we conclude that the word lost can mean outside of the ark of safety. Remember Noah and the ark, lost outside of the ark of safety. Remember Lot's wife looking back at Sodom, she was lost being turned to a pillar of salt. The miry Clay has a way of collapsing on people, and they're lost in the miry Clay. Joseph, abandoned in a pit by his brethren, was as good as lost and would soon be on a caravan to Egypt, sold into slavery, lost. In his case, Samson was so lost that he wis not. THAT THE SPIRIT OF GOD HAD DEPARTED FROM HIM. THOSE WHO ARE, AS THE NEW TESTAMENT REMINDS US, AS THOSE WHO ARE ALIENS FROM THE COMMONWEALTH OF ISRAEL, THEY'RE LOST. WITHOUT HOPE, LOST. WITHOUT CHRIST, LOST. WALKING IN GROSS DARKNESS, LOST. BLINDED BY THIS WORLD, THEY ARE LOST. AND SO LISTEN TO OUR TEXT. Then drew near unto Jesus all the publicans and sinners, the lost, lost their way, needed a word from God. They came to hear him. And then you've got these Pharisees, self-righteous scribes, murmuring, saying, Jesus received sinners. And he even breaks bread with them. Now, if you could look into the heart of the matter and listen to what Jesus and the scribes are saying one to another and what they're talking about, if I could paraphrase it, this is what I believe you would have heard that day. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and the scribes and he says something like this, These folks are lost and they need salvation. And the scribes, the Pharisees, would come back at him and say, Really, who cares if they're lost? They're just publicans and they're just sinners. And I can hear Jesus say to them, Yes, but they have a soul. And that soul is going to live forever somewhere. And I've come to help them. And I've come to save them. And I can hear the scribes and the Pharisees say to Jesus, Why don't you save someone who is worthy of salvation? We are satisfied with the current state that they are in. Leave them in their lost condition for you are wasting your time trying to save them and change their destinies. The scribes and Pharisees' attitude toward the publicans and sinners, which was based on the fact that they despised them, and I would even say had a hatred in their heart toward them, can be found in what is known as the Pharisee regulation, which goes like this. This is what governed them. And I quote, when a man is one of the people of the land, and see, this is who Jesus was talking to, one, uh, the, the people of the land, not, not the saved, not, not the Pharisee, not the Sadducee, not the scribe. When a man is one of the people of the land, entrust no money to him. Take no testimony from him. Trust him with no secret. Do not appoint him guardian of an orphan. Do not make him the custodian of charitable funds. You can read this. It's there for you to read. Do not accompany him on a journey, end quote. And so this is how the Pharisees felt. This is how they felt about publicans and sinners. They are lost, just leave them lost because you can't trust them. And Jesus, knowing what he was up against and in his pursuit to save them, decided to share a parable with not only the publicans and the sinners, but also with the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. This parable would draw three pictures or illustrations to prove his love and just how much he loved the sinner. Jesus is ready now to set the record straight on how he feels about anyone who is lost. Read with me again in Luke chapter 15. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying... This man receiveth sinners and eats with them. And Jesus then speaks a parable unto them, saying, Let me just ask you something, Pharisee. What man of you have on a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? That's what I'm doing here. Those who are whole need no physician. But those who are sick, those who are lost, need me. And I will leave the ninety and nine, just so you know, Pharisee, I will leave the ninety and nine and go after one lost sheep. You go on down to verse number eight of the same chapter, another parable. It's a woman who lost a piece of silver either what woman having ten pieces of silver if she lose one piece here's what she does Jesus is speaking to them does she not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds that one piece yeah one out of ten and she's going to find it and finally in verse 11 and 12, concerning the prodigal son, Jesus said, for the third parable on the same subject of the Pharisees and Sadducees looking down their nose at the publican and sinners, Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth me. I want mine inheritance. And the Father divided unto him his living. And so these three stories illustrate the Lord's love for the lost in contrast to the scribes and Pharisees' disdain for them. The central truth found here is the Lord's love... For the lost. Each parable reveals a different aspect of his plan for the lost person to be saved. The twofold purpose of these parables are he's ready to vindicate the lost in the eyes of the Pharisees. Number two, he's going to show his love for all of mankind. And that's why we read in Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man has come for a purpose. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Peter penned these words, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men do count slackness, but he's long, not like you Pharisee, Sadducee, he's long suffering to usward, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And back in Luke 15, we find in verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over the ninety and nine just persons that need no repentance. And so these parables indicate that there is more than one way to be lost. And I want to talk about that today. I want to talk to you as your pastor. I want to talk to you from my heart to your heart. We find a sheep was lost. A coin was lost. A son was lost. All three, the sheep, the coin, the son, represent lost people and just how they were lost. It is very serious, I think you would agree with me, for a farmer to lose a sheep... That's a very serious situation if all of a sudden the sheep is lost. It's even more severe and serious for a woman to lose her endowment, which is 10 pieces of silver preserved and ready for her wedding, and now it's incomplete, and there's a lost coin involved. That's a little more grievous and a little more important than maybe a lost sheep. However, to lose a son is an indescribable life situation. And Jesus mentions all of these. The sheep is valuable. Money is more valuable. But a son is the most valuable. Look at the breakdown, if you will. This is why Jesus is sharing these parables with these Pharisees and Sadducees. Through the eyes of Jesus, a lost sheep is a 1% loss, or one in a hundred. A lost coin is a 10% loss. It's one out of 10. But a son, a son is a 50% loss. It's one out of two. And the Lord is revealing that there are three causes for, let's call it human lostness. Not sure that's a word, but let's just use it. For human lostness, consider first of all, and we're going to look at all three of these today. Consider first of all the sheep that was lost. The sheep didn't intend to go anywhere. I've met people like this. The sheep was curious. And that curiosity pulled on him and pulled him away from the sheepfold. I can see this sheep as one who was carried away with its own interest. I see the one lost sheep as one who grazed itself out of the path of righteousness and out of the sight of the shepherd's care and out of the foal. It just sort of meandered away. The scripture talks about those who start drifting away. They just drift away. I meet people like that. I've met people like that. I've seen people like that. Hallelujah. It wasn't planned or thought through. The grass just seemed to be a little greener over there, away from the shepherd. He was led astray by inclinations that strained his sense of obligation and he just meandered away and i have dealt with that spirit in this last hour as a pal, as a pastor they just faded away he had no foresight The sheep had no foresight as to the consequences of walking away from the shepherd. He went wherever his desires and appetites led him. This lost sheep wasn't listening to the voice of the Lord. We know this because Jesus said, My sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. The one lost sheep turned out, turned off the voice of God in its life. There are many lost souls today because they live without restraint Without foresight, without discipline, they just wander off. They wander away from the Lord God. If you were to ask them if they know what is right, their answer would always be, yes. Yeah, I know I shouldn't be here. I know I shouldn't be doing this. I don't know. I just I just I don't know, I just walked away. I just I don't know, just got caught up in things. Church didn't seem that important. Loving God was not first in my life. I just got caught up in the things of this world. And the next thing I know, I'm further and further away. And now I'm lost. I'm lost. And if you were to ask them, do you know what's right? They would say yes. If you were to ask them, if they knew that God loved them, they would say yes. If you ask them, if they are aware God wants them to be, they even know the answer to that. And they would say, no, I'm not where I should be. I'm not where I should be. Can I just say today that Jesus Christ is in this house of worship this morning for one purpose? He is looking for one lost sheep. Hallelujah. If you are that one lost sheep, Compare where you are With where you know God Wants you to be And with that statement I would read This from the book of Psalms The Lord Is my shepherd I understand The importance of staying close to him The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want He maketh me to lie down In green pastures Let me tell you something This is the right side of things It's not greener over there. You need to be in the church. You need to be on fire. You need to know how to pray. You need to know how to be faithful. You need know, to know how to love God. This is where it's at. God wants you. He, he's the shepherd. You're not going to find a shepherd out there. You're going to find a wolf that is out to destroy you. And sometimes it comes in sheep's clothing. But on this day, hallelujah, there's a shepherd in this house that's looking for someone. And he said, I'll leave the ninety and nine if I can just find one lost sheep. He leads beside the still waters. Why am I in the church? Why am I still here? Why am I still loving God? He restores my soul. Why am I still a part of the kingdom of God? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Why am I still here? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for he is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And, and he's with me all the way why am I in the house of the Lord? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies and my, anoints my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Can I preach to somebody? You're not going to find that table out there. You're not going to find that anointing out there. You're not going to find the shepherd out there. If somehow the devil has caused you to meander away from the kingdom, today's the day to get right with God. God's calling you back. He loves you. He'll stand up against the Pharisee and the Sadducee, the scribe, and reach for you because he wants you to be saved. Surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Consider the coin that was lost. I know I know people, so do you, who are like the one lost sheep. I, you know, I, I know where I should be. Hallelujah. And And you know, sometimes when I When I confront them, they get a little aggravated at me. I don't care. I love them too much to care about that. I want them to be saved. I know people who are the one lost sheep. And then I also know people who are like the one lost coin. They seem to be unaware that they're even lost. The coin lost in the house. Lost in the church. And it's not even aware sometimes that they're lost. Some, somewhere along, here, here's how it happens with the coin. Somewhere along life's journey, they just drop off the radar into a place that is void of godliness and righteousness and spiritual awareness. They become a victim of a gravitational pull of sin and Satan until before they know it, they're lost and are, they're even unaware that they're lost. It's called, I've come up with a statement today for this sermon on this Sunday morning, it's called unconscious deterioration. They're not even aware that they're deteriorating. They feel like everything's all right, but really they're lost, even in the house. It is called that, it's a, it, it, let me put it this way, slowly the spirit of the age pulls them away from the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's so subtle that they don't even know it and they're not even aware of it unable to resist the irresistible forces that work against their soul and when I say forces I'm talking about evil forces and evil circumstances and evil temptation and evil spirits that control their lives. And they give in to these forces until they are just lost. They become passive to the mishandling of life and they are easily handled by temptation. And on top of that, the coin was lost in the house. Some are lost in the house of God, misplaced, dropped and forgotten. Good news today is Jesus is here looking for the 10% that's lost in the house. That would be a coin and maybe don't even know that you're lost. Today I pray for spiritual consciousness to touch everybody in this house until we know that we're saved and there's no doubt about our salvation and you don't walk around in fear, but you walk in faith. I want God to revive this church. I want God to breathe on this church. I want God to bring us back to a place of passion where we know that we're right with him and we know we're where we should be with him. And then the one that breaks my heart is consider the son who, which was lost. We're not talking about 1%, 1 out of 100, or 10%, 1 out of 10. We're talking about 1 out of 2. We know him as the prodigal son. He was lost willfully. He chose. He chose this deliberately intentionally knowingly give me my inheritance i'm going to a far country i'm out of here and i'm going to spend it on riotous living inexcusable waywardness He walked away in rebellion. He wanted unspiritual independence. He would take his inheritance and he would live a life away from home and from his father. He wasted the gifts, the gifts his father had given him. He wasted them on riotous living. He became devoured by sin. He finds himself in a pigsty. He finds himself away from God, away from the father, away from the house, away from the family. He's lost in a place that he thought would bring happiness and joy And I tell you, there is no happiness in this world. Jesus said, life consisteth not in the abundance of things you can possess here. You want to know where life is? It's in knowing him and being his child and being saved and being on your way to heaven. That's where happiness is at. He was so far from his father, he could not hear his father's voice saying from Proverbs 1 and 10, My son... If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And as your pastor, I stand behind this pulpit today to say, if sinners entice you. And there's a pull, there is a gravitational pull upon this society and this hour that's taking this generation faster, faster than it's ever taken a generation before and it's taken them further away from God if there's one thing the church has to do today it is stand up and say if this world entices thee don't give in to it don't forget what thus saith the word of God because this is going to stand when everything else fails this will get you to heaven this will get you on the right road this will get you back to the father's house don't be, don't be pulled away from God because of the spirit of the age and the spirit Of the Antichrist and the spirit of iniquity. Jesus was making it clear to the scribes and Pharisees that he loved the lost regardless of why they were lost. If you are only one out of a hundred, God loves you, God is looking for you. Can I get, a, can I get a, an amen here in just a moment? Can I get an amen that, that you know what it is like to be the one lost sheep and look up and Jesus found you? Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Let me say that again. I, I love the response. Sometimes I don't know what kind of response I'm gonna get, but I love the response. If you know what it's like to be the one lost sheep, And you're outside of the ark of safety and you really know where you should be and somehow life just took you there and here I am and and, and you found yourself there sometime in your past but God picked you up and turned you around and brought you back and put you in the fold and and the church accepted you. Would you say amen today? Can I tell somebody right now that you're not too far away from God. The church still loves you. We still want you. We want you to be saved. We want you to be whole. We want you to be complete. We want you to be in the kingdom. This is the place you belong. If you're just one in a hundred, we want you to be saved today. He's looking for you. You are precious in his sight. You're just precious in his sight. If you I wrote this down last night, and and I want to say this because this, this excites me right here. If you would like to start a revival of rejoicing in heaven this morning, then repent. Because if you repent, the Bible says, The angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. If you want to turn heaven upside down and you're not where you should be, why don't you repent and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I want to go a different direction. God, I need you to help me. God, I need you to change me. Hallelujah, because when you start repenting, God starts saving and bringing you back to where you're supposed to be. I've shared this many times, but right here, right here, right here, hallelujah. Brother Mike Doby brought a man from work 25 years ago. I was just brand new here. Brought a man to my office to be counseled, and I told Brother Doby, sure, I'll, I'll counsel him. And so he comes in, and you know, I think, I'm, I, I think that I'm getting ready to share with him about the gospel. He wasn't interested in the gospel. His wife had left him. Gospel was the furthest thing from his mind. Here I'm all set to teach him a Bible study and before we can even get started he starts just pouring out. And so I'm a little caught off guard. I said, "You know, it's tonight is men's prayer night. Would you like to stick around and pray?" I think maybe prayer is what, what we really ought to do about this situation. He said, sure. Now, there are space invaders. My good friend Mark Grisham is a space invader. He, Mark, Mark can't talk to you unless he's next to you, punching you. I'm kidding. I can hear you over there. Stay away from me. He's a space invader. That's his nickname. Well, I come out here in the auditorium and there's several men here and I just come up on the platform and kneel. Back in the early days of Pentecost, the preacher sat on the platform. I don't know what happened to that, but they don't sit on the platform anywhere anymore. Uh, So I come up to the pastor's chair and you can just feel when somebody's close. And I just know somebody just knelt down in next to me, the chair next to me, somebody just knelt down. And I just kind of, you know, you want to know. The Bible says, watch and pray. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm praying and I look up and there he is next to me. And, and so I'm praying and I'm saying, oh God, touch, you know, touch Elder Wright. And, and he says, the guy next to me says, God, touch Elder Wright. And I said, Lord, send revival. And he says, Lord, send revival. And it dawns on me. Whatever I say, he's gonna say. And so I start saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. He said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I can't make it without you. Lord, I can't make it without you. Lord, I need a new start. And I just started praying, and everything I prayed, he prayed. And I got loud and he got loud and I said, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues right now. And he said, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues right now. And I reached over and laid hands on his head and God filled him with the Holy Ghost right then and there. (laughs) Hallelujah. If you want to start revival today in your home, in your church, at your work, get right with God. I promise you one thing. If you start getting right with God, God's going to send down a powerful move of the Holy Ghost upon you. And he will save you and he will change you today. Look carefully if you are one of the ten. One of the ten. You will find yourself maybe even in this house and you're lost. And I, I have a message for you today. God loves you. You may not be sensitive because this is what happens to the coin that doesn't fit anymore or it does fit, but it's not where it should be. It's not with the other nine coins, but it's away from its purpose and it's away from its calling. And all of a sudden we find that it is not sensitive to spiritual things Maybe, maybe the coin was mishandled by life. You may find yourself controlled by sinful desires in so much that you're unable to resist temptation. Well, the good news is this. Salvation is in the house today. And Jesus Christ is here. Maybe you're one of the two. One of the two, the 50%. Maybe you're a prodigal who has decided to live in rebellion. I just want to tell you that God loves you today. He seeks for you this morning for two reasons. Number one, ownership, and number two, love. He owned the sheep. He owned the coin, but he loved the son. Can I preach to someone today? He loves you. Hallelujah. He's aware of where you're at. Call your soul whatever you will call your soul. A sheep, a coin, a son. The spirit of the day, July the 10th, 2022, is the same spirit that they faced 2,000 years ago. It's the same spirit that caused the Levite and the priest to walk by the man left in the ditch, bleeding and dying by robbers. They just had no time for him. just walked on by. But there was another man called the Good Samaritan that said, I'm going down in the ditch. I'm going down to where the man is at. I'm going to open his wounds up. And first of all, I'm going to pour in wine. And that's got healing virtue. That's got, uh, that's got delivering virtue from the effects of the infection that's in those wounds. I'm going to pour in the wine. And then the good Samaritan said, "I'm I'm going to pour in the oil that brings the healing to the situation. And then I'm going to pull him out of the ditch and put him on my own beast and take him to the city and check him in to the inn. And I'm going to tell the innkeeper, whatever you spend to get this man whole again, when I come back, I will repay you. And we see that that's Jesus. That's Jesus with the lost sheep and the corn and the sun, he knows where you're at. Others will walk on by and leave you where you're at, but not Jesus. Jesus is coming down to where you're at. He's going to look at the pain that you're in. He's going to open the wounds and pour in the wine and the oil. He's going to bind you up this morning and bring you to New Life Christian Center and say to us, Whatever you invest in them, when I come back again, I'm going to repay this church for everything that they do for a lost soul in this hour. We'll do everything I can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've got. I've got many pages of notes left, but I feel compelled to just kind of bring this to an end. And and it's not in my notes, but I I had a friend, I had a friend here in Lancaster a week ago or so that inadvertently, just inadvertently lost his dog. The dog's name was Duncan and Duncan was just gone, just all of a sudden gone. And Sister Keller said to me, Duncan is lost. And I said, what? Yeah, he's lost. And, and I went to bed that night and couldn't sleep. I woke up three or four times and said, you know, Duncan is out there in a cornfield somewhere. And so the next day I said to Sister Keller, any, any, word, on, any word on Duncan? She said, no, he's, he's, still, he's still lost. And all day long, it was just, it was miserable. I mean, I haven't seen Duncan in eight years. But there's the fact that a little dog, and I guess because now I am a dog sub-owner, secondary owner, I claim him as my own, but Loki, now that I have the passion, for those of you who are not dog lovers, you have no idea what real love is. You really don't because it's unconditional. I don't care what can, what, how you're feeling about your day. You come in and his tail is a wagon and he's ready to go. And even if I have to scold him, two minutes later he has forgotten about it and still loves me. Not some of you. So you, you wouldn't understand this unless you're a dog lover. And I, I you know, it wasn't but just uh, until we got Chloe and then Loki. Before that, I thought dog lovers are nuts. It's a dog. Yeah, but he's the top dog in our house. And so having this passion, I'm thinking of Duncan. And so the next day, and my wife says, no. And I'm telling you, for two nights, two nights, I, I, I tossed and turned. Wake up, man. And so I come home, I think it was the third day, and when I come in the back door, Sister Keller smiled. I said, what are you smiling about? They found Duncan. I, go, <laughs> I shouted all over the kitchen. The Lord helped me. Shout all over the kitchen. Because he was found. And, and, and I almost felt convicted. And that's how this sermon was birthed. That if you can get that excited over a dog that was lost and found and have that kind of joy, what will happen when a sinner walks into the house of God that was lost and undone and away from God? All of heaven rejoices, but so does New Life Christian Center. This is the best place there is to be. This is it. This is it. You can be saved today. You can be saved today. So Jesus is explaining his love for the lost every way that he can. He's dealing with these Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees. So he's, he's conveying, he said, I'm going to, pulling the stops out. I'm going to explain this every way that I can. And then he says, there was a sheep that was lost. Oh, I know it was just one in a hundred, but that didn't stop the shepherd. Oh, th- there was a coin. Oh, I know it was just one in 10, but that didn't stop the woman from putting a candle on a candlestick and sweeping until she found her coin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And then then there's the prodigal, the, the son that comes home. And in every case, every parable ends this way. Jesus found that sheep, picked him up, put him on his shoulders, and came back saying, rejoice with me. My sheep that was lost has been found. The woman when she found the coin She said to her neighbors and her friends Guess what? It's found I found it I found it I found the coin There's rejoicing When I do know this About what Jesus was trying to say to them Who despise the sinner Anytime you find something that's lost It's time to rejoice And the prodigal The prodigal is in the pig's pen. He has spent his inheritance. Everything his father gave him is gone. And he has taken a job feeding the pigs. So hungry that he was desirous of eating what the pigs were eating hungry and then the scripture used Jesus uses this little statement and the prodigal came to himself he had a moment of sanity because the father never stopped praying the father never stopped looking he had a moment of sanity. He came to himself, and when he did, he said, you know what? The servants at my father's house have bread enough to spare. Maybe, maybe I can just go back to dad's house and be a servant the servants had bread enough to spare. So he climbs out of that pig's pen and he makes his way home and his father sees him afar off and says, get the robe, get the ring, kill the fatted calf, get the party ready because my boy that was lost is coming home. Can I preach to somebody right now? There's rejoicing in heaven, but there's also rejoicing in a New Life Christian Center when one person decides to get their life right with God and turn their life around and head back down the right path and make their way to heaven. Hallelujah. There's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that decides to make it And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.